Good afternoon and welcome to a second episode of First Friday Podcast for Art Blog Radio. I'm Whit Lopez. I am your host for today. I have the pleasure to still be at Sanet Gallery, and this time I'm here with artist Mo Brooker. I'm super excited about Mo's show that's going to be here on Friday, as well as, Car- as, well as Carson Fox's show that's going to be here. Um, so Mo is an artist that's from Philadelphia, oh, yeah. based in Philadelphia, and has been doing really, really brilliant, brilliant, beautiful work. So, <laughs> he just covered his face when I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so welcome to the show. Really Thank glad you so to much. have you. It's a pleasure. So the work that's going to be here is yes. a new body of work, right? It's a new body of work. Um, the work comes from an experience I had. Um, last year, 2018, I had a heart attack. Oh, wow. And wow. Uh, it, was, it was kind of strange because I, uh, I was scared to go to New York and talk to uh, and, and tend to some business. But I didn't sleep that night. You know, didn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. My wife um, said, you know, you don't look nice. You don't look well. Mm. Um, why don't you go to the doctor before you go to New York? I said, I don't have time. You know, I, I don't have time. <laughs> uh, she finally talked me into doing that. I went to my primary doctor. <clears throat> my primary checked me out and put me in the hospital just like that. Mm. And told me that I had had a heart attack. Wow. And they were worried about whether or not there had been a slight stroke as well. Well, the stroke didn't pan out, oh. but the heart attack, wow. you know, the heart attack did. Um, <coughs> and I was in the hospital for about a month. Mm. Um, at first, they tried one procedure; it didn't work. Then they split my chest, as they always do, open it up, mm. and they took um, veins from my leg, from one part of my leg, and attached it to my heart so that my heart would pump its proper and necessary amount of blood. Wow. Um, someone asked me if I was afraid. Yeah. And I said, no. And they, they just kind of looked at me and they said, <laughs> you're not afraid of dying? I said, I'm not. Um, I said, I've lived a pretty, pretty long life. I've enjoyed doing what I do. There's something I'm supposed to do. Mm. Haven't done it yet. I'm not leaving here until I do it. They just looked at me. And I said, yeah. I said, I'm telling you that. I mean, when I went under the anesthesia, the doctor asked me the same thing. He said, are you afraid? I said, I'm not. Wow. Um, I believe that there is purpose for everyone in this world who comes here. Sometimes we don't find our purpose, and it makes our, our life less satisfying. But when you find your purpose... When you find your purpose, life becomes this amazing experience. It sure does. Yeah, it, it sure does. does. <laughs> it's true. true. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. It absolutely does. It is. It is. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're still here. I'm absolutely glad that you're still here. <laughs> well, thank you. You know what? So am I. I'm glad to hear that. I really, really am. Uh, so, 
this show, it says through color, rhythm, and form, you lead us on a journey that's inventive and personal and alive. Yeah, yeah. I, many of these drawings, if not all of them, but many of these drawings were done in my hospital bed after I had had my my uh, my operation, and they represent a sense of joy. Now. There's a story about that. I don't know if you want to hear it, but I'll yeah. tell it to you anyway. I mean, if you want to share it, I'll by share all it means, you. I will uh, listen. <laughs> my grandmother, um, who was a wonderful woman, her name was Mamie Campbell. Mamie Campbell smoked a corncob pipe. You know, <laughs> That's I mean, wonderful. She, she was born in 1866. Wow. She died in 1968. She was 102 wow. when she died. That's beautiful. But the issue about joy is this. One time when I was a young man, um, she was sitting and she was smiling. and She was working on a quilt because she used to do quilts. Uh, and I said, Grandma, are you happy? And she said, no. Hmm. I said, well, you, you, you seem to be in a, in a good place. She said, I have a sense of joy going on right now in, mm. within me. And she said, joy has nothing to do with happiness. Wow. You can be sad and still there can be a joy inside. Wow. And she related to me how growing up, most black folks who in fact had been slaves or were still slaves when she was a youngster. That's what they had to do to survive. They had to do that to survive. Uh, Absolutely. Because you weren't given very much. And uh, she, she said, joy is a deep down knowing. And I said, well, what is this knowing? Knowing that you can't be conquered, knowing that you can't be overcome knowing that you can't be defeated. Yeah. And nobody can feel that. You know that inside you. Yes. you see? And she said, uh, always remember, if you get into difficulty, go inside yourself and realize that you are capable of doing anything that you want to do. And that produces a sense of joy, acknowledgement, and knowing inside that's really important for you to live a fruitful life. That is beautiful. My sweetheart grandma, Mamie Campbell. (laughs) (laughs) That is that is amazing. That is amazing. No, joy definitely is a huge part of the African American experience in the United States. Oh yeah. And so I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful for for Mamie. Yes, for for sharing that. And thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. I I I, all of this work is about that. Um, I. I grew up in the 50s and 60s, and I did picketing and stuff like that a long time ago. Um, and there's something that happened during all that time. Um, even though being pushed around and put in jail and things like that, you knew that you could overcome anything that they threw at you. And that began to work for me in terms of my artwork. Because young black kid who used to draw in the street with chalk, people said, you can't be an artist. You'll starve. Wow. I said, I won't. They said, you'll starve. 
and <laughs> it said, and nobody will buy your pictures anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, and so I had this sense that I could become an artist because I wanted to become an artist because I think I had something to say. Um, I talk about my own experience in these works. Graffiti was very much a part of my growing up. Um, kids would, would, grow, would scrawl on the wall. Two things existed in, in, in the writing on the wall. One was a name, an alias, an alias. Dr. Cool number one, Dr. Cool number two. Uh, there's a young boy whose name, whose name was Mark, and yet when he signed his name, it was Cram, C-R-A-M. Mm. What was that about? What's the one thing that any disenfranchised people will lose when they're conquered? It's a sense of self. So they gave themselves another name. They also would put where they were from. What's the other thing that disenfranchised people lose? A sense of place. And so not understanding, a lot of the people said, these are just awful things. They were a cry about a sense of self. This is who I really am. Mm. And this is where I live. Yeah. And this is my place. Yeah. And so for me, that became an unbelievable insight into myself, into my own sense of history, even to the point that I got into many discussions with a lot of artists, and I said, Picasso did not invent abstraction. Abstraction was already in African work. And they said, well, then why don't you do African work? I said, it's been done. I don't want to do that. I am a descendant, therefore I want to find a new path that begins to talk about the same issue. Absolutely, absolutely. So that allowed me to become and move toward and be an artist. And I think I went to the academy and I won what they called a Crescent Traveling Scholarship. I was 19. The Crescent Traveling Scholarship allowed me to go to Europe. And I went there for about four months. I came back a different, a different young man. When I came back, I had hair this big. <laughs> um, you had afro? Absolutely. <laughs> That's wonderful. And we're talking about 1962. <laughs> you know? Okay, trendsetter, trendsetter, yes. <laughs> you know, and I, boom. And uh, I came back and I, and I had a purpose. I wanted to talk about things that were important to me in this new generation. And I didn't want to, as much as I admired Tanner, loved Tanner, Bannister, I loved those as painters. I didn't want to do what they were doing. I wanted to find something that was more in keeping with what I wanted to do and what I wanted to talk about. Spiritual sense is really important. When I'm in the studio sometimes, people laugh when I tell them this, when I'm in the studio sometimes, there is a presence that's there as I work. Um, I believe it. I believe there it. is a presence there, and I feel it just as strongly as I'm sitting here talking to you. And during that time, time 
races ahead. And I don't sometimes remember what I did or how I got that done. Mm, amazing. And, uh, that is amazing. Consequently, I don't repeat what I do. I may use some of the same symbols, but they're placed in different arrays and different relationships so that they're new in terms of what they do compositionally. And color. Ah. <laughs> I remember as a young boy, my grandmother would be making quilts. And I would look at her. And it didn't impact me as much then as it did in retrospect. Why? I discovered the ladies from G's Ben. Mm. And I said, my grandmother was doing exactly the same thing when I was growing up. Absolutely. And when I went to graduate school and wrote my thesis, I wrote it about color. And it wow. wasn't the color of what people thought were. It was a color that I believed um, I understood based on my experience. There's a color in the black community is incredible. You see it. All the time. Listen, I'm telling you. He just pointed out my outfit. I'm wearing like a million colors right now. <laughs> I mean, you see, you see it's it all true. the time. It's true. It's true. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so I said, let me, let me look at that. And I did. And I started using color. You know, you go to church on a Sunday morning. Yes. Lord yes. have mercy. You see these ladies. These yes, absolutely. You know, and these, these outfits, yes. color was amazing. And that's what started me to begin to do it. And then I, I just started looking at other artists. Al Lovey was a wonderful influence on me uh, in terms of his work. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, Ray Saunders, again, out on the West Coast. Amazing influence. And in talking with them, you know, they, you know, they would say, look, what do you feel about color? Try something that you feel. And I wrote my thesis about color. I uh, shouldn't say this. But disagreed with Albers in that Albers used a simple shape. When you change that shape, some of his principles don't work color-wise. Mm. You know, so I just started feeding myself in terms of what color is possible. And for me, any color could be used to be worked, depending on how much you use and what you juxtapose it with. And whether or not it had a surface or whether or not it would recede. And so oh. I began to fool around with what I had learned in perspective, but in an abstract way. What did that mean? It meant that I could kind of push things back and pull things forward, like Hoffman, in a sense. Mm -hmm. Because what is perspective anyway? Perspective is nothing but comparison. You know, if I look across the street and see that car, it's that big compared to me sitting here. I am small or I am large. So it's about comparison. I use that as a principle in terms of my work. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So something that I read about you okay. before coming here... Um, was that you moved from semi-figurative work to abstraction, purposefully. Yes. And the reasons why you made this shift is because you wanted to paint the joyous and spiritual aspects of African-American life that you felt could not be found in figurative symbols. Not anymore. 
Mm, can you tell me more about that? Well, if you look at if you look at the work by Tanner, the banjo lesson, Mary uh, receiving the message from God, they're not necessarily happy or joyful pieces. They were dealing with d different issues. I looked at Tanner initially because there was a similarity. His father was a minister. My father was a minister. Mm. His father was a minister in the AME church. My father was a minister in the AME church. Mm. We were both sons of ministers. Now, my, my father wanted me to become a doctor. Took all the courses in high school. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. I am one of eight kids. Wow. I am the seventh son. Wow. And when I went to the academy and won a scholarship, I got to go because my brothers and my sister fought for me to go. Because my father wow. did not want me to go. Wow. And he only went to my show, I think, shortly, shortly before his death. Um, he went and saw my show, and he came to me and he said, you made the right choice. Wow. And so you, you know, that just... Absolutely. It just filled me up. You know, Absolutely. it just filled me up. I had arrived. I didn't care who anybody else didn't like it, but my father said, you made the right choice. Wow. And that, for me, meant everything in the world. You know, so I, I, the work continues to gradually change. Um, certain symbols are thrown away, others are replaced. Certain colors are thrown away, other colors replace it. Um, I did a piece in the, uh, it's in the convention center now. Oh, great. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think it's a 13, 14 foot by 8 foot. And uh, it's it makes a new step, um, and it's more in tune with the ones that I'm doing here that you see. Mm. There's a there's a sense of color. There are some stable shapes and forms that exist, and then, then there are others that have no place to land. They just are there, and they fluctuate between going back and forth, back and forth, depending on how you look at it. That's amazing. I love that, I love that, you know, you spoke about how these abstractions capture joy. Yeah, yeah. And they, they capture spirituality. Oh, yeah. But you're also talking about how they capture movement, too. Yes, indeed. And, which is not something that I've ever really heard anybody talk about when uh, it comes to abstract. I used so to, I appreciate I used to love to dance. Lord, really? Hey! Lord have mercy. <laughs> I mean, I would love to dance. We used to go to parties and dance. And, uh, in fact, there was, <laughs> there, was, there was a show called The Mitch Thomas Show mm. years ago. Mitch Thomas was, in fact, a show where black kids could go and dance because you couldn't go on bandstand. Yeah, yeah. You see, you couldn't go on bandstand. Um, so I started going to to the Mitch Thomas show and dance and love to dance. You had to learn all the new dances. It was it was just a lot of fun. And movement is a part of everything because jazz becomes a basis for that in terms of 
what I hear, and gospel becomes the same kind of situation. You hear this relationship between sound and movement and color in the rendition of the various uh, uh, paintings that I do. At least I hope you do anyway. But those are the issues that feed me a lot. That is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like I'm over here learning about you, but I'm also learning a little history lesson as yeah. well. Yeah. Like I, I'm not familiar with that show, but that's really great. Well, look it up. I, I absolutely the will. The Mitch Thomas show. Absolutely will. Was did it take place here in Philadelphia? It first took place in Wilmington, Delaware. Then he moved to Philadelphia to uh, the building at 15th. 16th and JFK uh, on the top floor is where the studio was. Oh, wow. And we used to go there and dance uh, every Saturday. That's wonderful. That's a great little piece of, you know, black history within oh, yeah. Philadelphia. So oh, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so you're also an art educator, too, in the city. I, I taught for 40 years. Wow. In fact, it was one of my students. Really? Yes. <laughs> This is amazing. So this is like, you know, student-teacher show almost. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, really it was wonderful when they said to me, uh, we're, we're thinking of putting you and Carson together, and I said, that'd be wonderful. So I haven't seen her in a while, but she was a student of mine years ago. That is wonderful. So so you were uh, Carson's professor, and so and I, I love that you're both here doing work that's like abstract. Yeah, yes. And that in both... Both sets of work have these brilliant, absolutely yeah. vibrant colors yeah. in yeah. them. Yeah. So this is this is amazing. I think this is a really amazing show. Like knowing that y'all have this dynamic yeah. that extends outside of this gallery. Well, I mean, the thing is this. Um, you know, if you get a chance to choose who you want to show it, <clears throat> do that. When they told me, I hadn't seen her work in a while, but I looked her work up, and I said, absolutely. That I is wonderful. Yeah. That is that is amazing, and yeah. I'm really excited. <laughs> this adds a whole other layer yeah, yeah. to to the conversation that's happening between the work. Because when I saw when I saw Carson's work yeah. and I saw your work, yeah. I was like, "Oh, these colors speak yeah. to each other. These yeah, forms yeah. speak to each other." But just knowing that there's also a personal and professional history yeah. there yeah. with you being the professor that is just that's amazing. Yeah. That that's that is really. Oh, <laughs> that's really exciting now I'm even more excited for folks to really come check this show out like it's absolutely amazing and the work that I'm seeing is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous like I see this giant work right now that has this beautiful pink checkerboard oh, yeah. that's like very varying shades of now you know what that's fuchsia. about no but please tell me I, tell you. <laughs> I used to where I lived you had a number of old men who would go to the park and play checkers. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I would watch them, and, and I never thought about it until much, much, much later when I became a man, but um, I remember talking to one and he said, checkerboard represents options and chance. Mm. And so, as a symbol, I put that in sometimes in my work, because I find it to be uh, just that. It is an option in terms of what your life is going to be. You make choices in your life, and those choices are important. Absolutely. Sometimes they're good choices, and some, sometimes 
Sometimes they, they aren't. You know, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> but a, but a lot of the a lot of the color, the sense of color. James Baldwin in in one of his books talks about Harlem, and he talks about Harlem relative to the colors that were being used. And he talks about in a particular period, a period forties, um, and you see it come to life in uh, the early part of Malcolm X, when the two main characters wear these zoot suits, mm. and the color is just yeah. dazzling. You know, absolutely. Well, that actually was true. I mean, that's what went on, and you find you found that particularly in New York. Um, you didn't find it in Chicago, but you found it in New York, you know. And and the point is, people wore these big, long, peg leg pants, suit jacket all the way down to their knees, <laughs> a big chain, and a hat this big, you know. And they thought they were the coolest thing in the world, you know. But that sense of color, that, that, that sense of color came directly from African influence. Their parents, their parents' parents, their grandparents. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of what color was and what it meant for them. You know. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't. I, I know for me at least, my my mom is African American, yeah. and so I remember growing up with her. She would have her wraps on her hey. head. She would sit there making clothes at yeah, her yeah, sewing yeah. machine, and some of my earlier memories of the clothes that she made me yeah. were yeah. super bright and yeah. <laughs> you know culottes and vests and That's shirts right. and dresses, really bright, vibrant yeah, yeah. colors. And yeah. so you're absolutely right. Yeah, absolutely right. And I I love it so much. So, do you have any uh, any advice for any aspiring young artists who might be listening <laughs> to this? You've had a you know a lot, like you said, you've been you were an educator for forty years, four decades of just information and knowing what young artists go through. Do well, you have any advice for them? Yeah, don't be afraid of failure. Mm. And by that I mean every painting that you do is not going to be successful. That's true. Every drawing that you do is not going to be successful. Every piece of sculpture you do is not going to be successful. But don't let that determine whether or not you continue or whether or not you give it up. Not at all. What you do is you fight through it and you find that place of joy. Mm. That means you can overcome that and you move on. Yes. That is wonderful. That that turned that into a sermon real quick. Hey, look out. Look, look out. <laughs> you better look out. I don't want to have to shout in here. I don't... <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh my. Well, Mr. Brooker, this this has been a really, really wonderful podcast well, episode. It's been my pleasure. Been <laughs> Thank my you pleasure. so much. Thank you so much. I'm very honored to be able to sit here and speak with you about your work and to be able to see it too, like in person before it gets installed. Like it's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. really, really beautiful. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom for sharing your knowledge, for sharing yourself and your history you. with thank me you. today. Pleasure. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, thank you again to Stanit Gallery for allowing me to use the space today as they're installing actively for, <laughs> for, these, for these two recordings. And uh, this show will also be up from July 5th, and, which is first Friday, until August 10th of 2019. If you're coming to visit, the address here is 242 North 3rd Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19106. That address again is 242 North 3rd Street, Philadelphia, PA, 19106. And if you're looking forward to learning more about Art Blog Podcasts and listening to more Art Blog Podcasts, you can listen to it on our website 
or Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. So thank you for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to having a lot more episodes in the future. Bye, y'all. <laughs>